Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for all of your love and mercy toward us, and especially uh, the way it's been shown to us through Jesus, and um, for all that he's done for us in our place, and um, Lord, our hope and trust and faith is in him and his work. I pray that you would forgive us when we hope in anything else, and uh, put us back, uh, put our eyes back on him, um, help us in our unbelief. Give us more faith. Um, I thank you for this family of believers that you have put together. And um, just so thankful for uh, being able to come together with them each week and to study and to worship. And um, I just pray your blessings on each and every family that you've brought to us. Um, All that they're enduring, all the things that they're up against, just daily living, um, all of us. Um, have a lot of struggles with our flesh and um, Lord just with this world and so uh, it's not surprising you promised us that in the world we'll have tribulation but you've also promised us um, uh, reminded us that you've overcome the world and so um, we're to be of good cheer because you give us peace and so we pray that you would continue to remind us of that and bring that to us and to our hearts and souls and um Lord, just help us to be faithful um, and help us to love you and love people enough to be able to share the gospel when we can. And um, Lord, just um, we know that you'll bless that. And we pray for all the names that were mentioned um, tonight. I pray for Randy and, and Tiffany, um, and Melissa's mom, and um, Susan, that you would take care of them all and uh, bring healing to them. And um, Lord, we trust you to do that. And anything else that's on our minds and hearts, I pray you would take it um, and and speak peace into our spirit, by your spirit. And um, Lord, just remind us that you're in control of all things. And um, we love you again. And just thank you for this privilege to open the word together and look in our confession to learn more about you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well... I was sharing earlier that um, I've had two opportunities just today to be able to speak to somebody um, in in my work, not a patient, but their families, um, just about the peace that we are offered in Christ and the rest that we're supposed to have and that we do have. And uh, we so so seldom fail to take advantage of it, you know, and... um, and I shared with um, both of these ladies that um, it's something I've been learning myself in the last several years um, in my own relationship with, with Christ and as a as a pastor and a teacher. And I um, said, so, you know, it's funny, I'm trying to teach my people this, that God gives to me, and I struggle with it too. And I try to have to teach myself back that, hey, you know, uh, Jesus said... Which one of you have ever added to your stature by worrying? And none of us. But yet, that's where I am most days. I'm worrying about something. And I'm not trusting Christ in something. And um, and so, uh, you know, I think it's important to remind you about that and be reminded myself that um, Jesus is our Sabbath and he is our rest. And I think um, the Christian life is supposed to be peaceful 
Now, that doesn't mean we'll have peace in the world. Again, I, I know I just prayed about that. We won't have. But we're always supposed to be, no matter what, able to rest in Christ and be peaceable because, you know, we didn't do anything to get saved, but he saved us. We can't do anything to get rid of being saved, thankfully. And he's promised that he will, that we'll endure to the end. And that's, that's peaceable, you know. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so um, I say that to sort of lead into this topic because this is an extremely, extremely important subject. This doctrine of justification, which is chapter 11, is among, I mean, it seems like every week I'm saying this one's important. But, I mean, this is among the the major doctrines um, of the church. And especially it's one of, it's probably the major doctrine that was clarified through the, through the Reformation. I mean, this is where, this is where the difference was between um, the papacy and the Roman church and those who came out of it was this idea of justification because they recognized it, it really mattered. Um, Martin Luther, in fact, said justification is the article of a standing or a falling church. In other words, if you get justification wrong, you might as well shut the door. I mean, you're going to have everything else wrong. And, and um, because... It ha- it's so it's so weighty, but it's it's fundamental to who we are and how who God is and how He has saved us. And I think you know this thing started out this unit did with God's covenant, and then Christ the mediator, and then it talked about free will and what free will is and what it isn't, and then. We, we talked about effectual calling. And all that brings us to this because to understand all that is to begin to understand what justification is about. And um, the doctrine of justification, you know, we believe that man is justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Because to be justified means that at least for God considers us no longer to be guilty of the sin that we have committed. So he, ju- he considers us justified. And so let's just read this first section, and then we might look at some of these passages and just kind of talk through this. Those God effectually calls, so we already talked about what that is, he also freely justifies. And you remember that golden chain in Romans eight twenty eight. Those whom he called, he also justified. So if you're called in this effectual way, you will respond eventually. And because of that, because God has chosen you and he has called you, then he will freely justify you. And he does this not by, and this is important, not by infusing righteousness into them, but by pardoning their sins and accounting and accepting them as righteous. This is what we refer to um, as imputed righteousness. And I know we've talked about this prior, um, and that's not a word, imputation is not a word you'll find in the scriptures, 
but it's the word that the church has used um, um, to define this. Imputed righteousness is, again, as it says, it's not something fused into us. Because, see, this is the Catholic teaching. Well, God put some righteousness in you, and now you can act on it. So, it's not even right for us to say, I've been made righteous, because we haven't. We've been counted righteous, and that's different. This is what justification is for the church. God has pardoned our sins and accounted and accepted us as righteous because of Jesus. He has accepted us. He does this for Christ's sake alone and not for anything produced in them or done by them. And that, again, I mean, treadstone verse, this is important. He does this for Christ's sake alone. It's not because of anything we've done. Again, it's not that he looked down in the future and saw this person will choose me, so I'm going to choose them and therefore count them righteous. No, he does this for Christ's sake alone. So my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness, right? Not my righteousness. There you go. I heard somebody this week say something like everything that we have in Christ and everything that we are is because of and not in order that. In other words, anything that we have that's good is because of Christ and what he has given us and done for us and what God has counted. We never do anything in order that God might do something for us back. Does that make sense? And I thought that was just an awesome. They were really talking about sanctification, but 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 in the in the process, there, it was un, in the subject of justification. But they were talking about the things that we do. But he said, "Yeah, but everything we do is always because of, and not in order that." So even the works we do are because of God, and not in order that. He might look at us and say, oh, there's a good, faithful servant of mine. No. Everything's because of. He does it for Christ's sake alone, not for anything produced in them or done by them. He does not impute faith itself. He imputes righteousness, but not faith itself. The act of believing or any other gospel obedience to them as their righteousness. So that's important. We are saved by grace through faith, not because of faith. Instead, he imputes Christ's active obedience to the whole law and passive obedience in his death as their, that's us, whole and only righteousness by faith. And again, just to clarify, this faith is not self-generated. It is the gift of God. And I love that. I mean, I don't know how you could explain justification any better than that. Because it completely... You know, you say, what did you have to do with your salvation? Nothing. I mean, nothing. The faith is not yours. That is a gift of God. And even that is, God gives us the avenue through which he counts our, he counts Christ's active and passive obedience toward us 
as righteousness. The faith's not ours. The righteousness is not ours. The believing is not ours. Um, it's the gift of God. That's a beautiful thought. And it's so important to grasp this because, again, it takes away all ground for boasting. I mean, it sets all the people of God on sane footing. You know, we have no place. I think, was it Sunday? I was talking about, um, yeah, because we were talking about the uh, disciples jockeying for position. Hey, Jesus, here's what we want you to do for us. When you come to your kingdom, I want to be at the right hand, and he wants to be at the left. And, I mean, it, of course, they couldn't understand this yet, and I hope they did by, I'm sure they did by the, after the resurrection. But there is no, there's no, here's, here's Christians and here's Christians. I mean, you come into the kingdom because of imputed righteousness, right? And it, it just really takes away all ground for boasting and really brings a great humility, right? <clears throat> we already mentioned, uh, um, somebody look at Romans 3.24, we'll read that. Is that what you have there, Romans 3.24? I got it. Um, I think I just mentioned Romans 8. I know I mentioned 28, maybe I didn't mention 30. Uh, yeah, it was 30. I said 28. That's different. I just mentioned. Uh, Romans 4, 5 through 8. What's some other things here? I'm going to stay in Romans. You got that one? In Romans 5, 17 through 19. I just quoted Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. So, by grace you are faith, saved through faith. Uh, also... Somebody look up John 1, 12, 11 and 12, because we, we quote that a lot, but that's a good one. Who's got that Romans 3, 24 pass? All right. I'm going to back up to 23 and read it, too. Okay. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Yes. And you can even read verse 25. Yeah. whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins yeah and, and finally verse 26 all this so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ who has Romans 4 however to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly their faith is credited as righteousness David says the same thing when he speaks to the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them yeah that's a, that's a glorious verse Blessed is the one to whom the Lord does not impute his sin, but rather he imputes it. Christ's righteousness. Yeah. Um, Called that another place where, who was it said, Lord, if you count transgressions, who can stand? So, um, against us, he doesn't. 
Uh, what was the next passage? Romans five seventeen through nineteen. Okay. For if by the transgressions of one uh, death reigned through the one, uh, much more those who receive the abundance of grace uh, and of the gift of righteousness will uh, reign uh, in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then. Uh, as as through one transgression uh, there resulted condemnation to all men even so uh, through the one act of righteousness uh, there resulted justification of life uh, to all men on the 19th yes sir for as through the one man uh, one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so uh, through the obedience of the one, uh, the many uh, will be made righteous. Yes, that word many. That's a great, you know, a lot of people reject the doctrine of original sin, which, remember, is not the first sin, but the original sin is the belief that we have Adam's sin nature imputed to us. Really, not imputed, but in us. We have been, we have taken on that. And people say, well, that's not fair. Well, if you don't believe that's fair, then you can't accept that. Then so by the one man's obedience will many be made righteous. By one man's disobedience, all, yes, were made sinners. So by one's obedience, many will be made righteous. Um, <clears throat> beautiful passage. All right, what else we have? John one twelve. Well, read 11 and 12, whoever's going to do that. It came to his own, and, and, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Yes. I love that. Um, well, and if you keep going, verse 13, those who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Just that idea again that this is not, this, this faith is not self-generated. This thing that God has given us did not come from within us. So there's still, again, this is kind of the, the major difference in uh, even today. Uh, not just the Catholic Church, but there's a there's a big belief that well God did infuse righteousness or He did infuse um, faith, and now we have to act on it. And if you don't act on it by your own free will, then it'll be your fault. You know this idea of letting God off the hook. Well, no, and and I hear people all the time, um, you know, want to let God off the hook in all kind of ways. Well, if you go to hell, it'll be your own choice. Everything's been done for you. And the thing about that is, on the surface, it's not necessarily necessarily wrong, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is not, you better do something. I mean, I, and I've said this before, and I think it's so important to remember, the gospel's terminology is done, not do. It is done. Christ has finished it. So to preach the gospel... It is a past tense 
uh, occurrence. It is a historical fact that has a present um, application and present and current um, effect on people. And I think that's um, I think that's where we miss a lot of times. We want we want to convince people so badly. And, and I believe some people are, are earnest in their desire. I don't think people are, not everybody's intentionally, um, Andy Stanley, trying to twist Scripture and make it mean nothing. I think a lot of people earnestly are just thinking, if I can just convince you that this is the best decision you can make. I mean, that's that's Finney, that's Charles Finney at its finest, and uh, Billy Graham even, that idea that, hey, here's two decisions. I mean, this is a much better decision. And, and the thing about that is, again, it's not the gospel. The gospel is, here's your condition according to the law of God. But, you could, it, it, you know, Adam, that Romans 5, this is all of our condition. This is our state because there is a holy God. And there is a God who demands righteousness and perfect righteousness only. Not a God that we've made up in our mind that's going to be okay with some unrighteousness. This is a God that is perfectly holy and righteous will not look upon sin at all and will not allow sin to reign with him. And he has determined that he would save a people for himself. And so the way he did that was by sending his son to become flesh and perfectly, as this statement says, we've talked about this several times, the active and passive obedience of Christ. He actively satisfy God's justice by um, obeying the law perfectly. I'm in the wrong wrong segment. He obeyed the law perfectly, never broke the law. So he did not sin, but he also perfectly kept the law. So he never transgressed it. And also he went to the cross willingly and did what was necessary uh, in his passive obedience to become uh, to be the bearer of God's wrath on sin and he did all that so that whoever believed that for their self will be saved now again we know that that faith is not something they can muster up but if you call people to believe that do you believe this repent and be, be baptized for the remission of sin not so your sins will be forgiven, but because you believe this, your sins have been remitted. So repent and be baptized because of the remission of sin. Your sins are gone. They've been washed away, and you've been set free. Now, demonstrate that. and Let God demonstrate that through you to you through this means of grace called baptism. And you show to the world and to yourself, man, this is what God has done for me. I mean, that's the gospel. It's not... Hey, there's a heaven and hell. Do you want to go to hell? That's a bad place. You'd rather go to heaven where it's nice. You know, um, like those old um, Halloween things that we've probably all been to, like uh, um, Tribulation Trail, where they, yeah, you go through and they, you know, they, they, as somebody said, they try to scare the hell out of you. And if it works, then they get you to say a prayer. And, you, and, and, and don't get me wrong, there's probably been people saved out of things. You know, God, God does what he wants does and uh even through bad actions and bad um ideas i mean lord 
if God can use my preaching, he can, he, you know, he used a rooster, he used a donkey. He, you know, he don't even need, he can use the rocks, he said. They'll cry out if he needed the children of Abraham. But as a responsible um, believer that understands this, we need to tell people the gospel. That's good news. Um, and, and the law is good. So you're not telling people, I'm going to tell you the bad news, the law, and then the good news. No, it's, the law is good. You're the one that's bad. The law is perfect. You just can't keep the law, right? So, um, and, and yes, hell is bad. Um, but, um, you know, we just come up with some bad ideas. I mean, I've heard people, you know, hell's, hell was made for the devil and his angels. It was not made for people. Well, again, that's hard to, it's hard to find that in the Bible. I mean, um, I, we, we just make up things to try to get people to decisions. But if you understand this, I mean, to me, this just frees you up to say you don't have to try to convince people of anything. You just tell people the truth of who God is and what he's done in Christ, right? Because here it is. And I just think it's a, I think it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful this, this doctrine of justification, I think when I started grasping this, I was really struggling with all these doctrines of grace and all this providence of God and this election and all this stuff and predestination. But when I understood justification and the atonement, um, it all started making sense to me. Because I realized, well, if this is what it means to be justified then of course God had to choose people because they weren't going to choose him. Um, and if I and I see what Christ did in this atoning work. He said it's finished. It's done. There's nothing left to be done. If you say, well, everything's been done except for your part now, then Christ lied at the at the cross when he said it's finished. He, could, he should have said, I've done my part. Now do your part. The rest is up to you. No, that's not what happened. It's finished. And um, and in the process, um, he made this way that was already there in shadow, but now it's in substance, um, in, in justification. I think, I said this before, I think we have, a, we have a difficult time understanding justification because we don't have a real good understanding of justice because we don't see it. I mean, we, we have a justice system, but it's not very just most of the time, right? I mean, we're all sitting around sometime watching going, okay, that was not justice. And that, you know, what, what you call it? That wasn't justice. But we think justice is fairness. So we've equated, well, God will justify anybody, um, you know, that kind of deserves it because that's only fair. I mean, Hitler didn't deserve it, but I deserve it. You know, that's kind of, I think Hitler's the... Um, He's the um, end-all, be-all of illustrations, you know. And uh, I don't know what it is, but we really, uh, one of my friends used to say, man, we just, we love to hate Hitler. He, and, and you think now, like, Hitler's pretty tame compared to some of the craziness that's out there now. I mean, um, you know, we're running schoolhouses and shooting little kids. I mean, that's, that's no, that's not better than putting people in a, uh, a shower that's poisoning them. I mean, it, we just we have this idea that well now that's really bad, but I'm not that bad. 
But the truth is, um, if you understand all these doctrines and you understand what it takes to be justified because you understand what you are in Adam, then you, you start understanding better that, okay, so if God would have saved Hitler, and he certainly could have, it would have took the same amount of grace that it took to save me. And that's when you get on, that's when you start becoming humble. Because you don't like to think in those terms. You know, like, no, it would have took way more grace to save him. No. Or even people that you can think of now that you really don't like and that you think there's no way they're going to be in heaven. I mean, uh, you know, grace is what it is. And justification has to come from God. It can't be earned. And that's what the church was teaching, see. They, uh, during the Reformation, these guys were coming out saying, hey, you know, and, and of course, Luther um, reads that m- passage that just messes them all up, that the just shall live by faith. And he's like, wow, I mean, that changes everything. It's not by all these things I can do. It's by faith. And, and he understood, I can't even get faith right. So that has to come from God. So anyways, any questions about that? Any thoughts? I know y'all are pros at this. This is a doctrine y'all all understand already. But um, it's where we are, so we got to talk about it. What about section two? Faith that receives and rests on Christ and his righteousness is the only instrument of justification. So they're just making sure that... Um, Everybody understands this. There is no other instruments. There's no other way to come. Okay? So right here, I, they're probably taking shots at all kinds of things. But you, you can't justify mom after she's dead by paying penance on her behalf. Right? There's no purgatory. There's no, um, there's no um, you know, interceding for dead, the dead in hopes that they'll get there later. I mean, you know, these guys are clearing it up. Faith that receives and rests on Christ and his righteousness, that's the only instrument of justification. Yet it does not occur by itself in the person justified, but it is always accompanied by every other saving grace. And it's not a dead faith, but works through love. So they're attacking all kinds of things here, right? Because they're being attacked because you can just hear people saying, oh, well, if you believe this is the way people are justified, then they might not even know they're justified. I mean, if God chose them before the foundation of the world and he's calling this effectual calling through the gospel and he's just justifying them freely without anything on their behalf being done, well, there's people running around here everywhere don't even know they're saved. And so they say, no, saving grace is not dead. but works through love and it's accompanied by every other saving grace. So when God saves you, he doesn't halfway do it. It's, per- it's, perfect. it's perfect salvation. Now, does that mean that obviously it does not mean now we stop sinning and everything's uh, you know we look like Jesus from now till he comes and gets us but it does mean that everything that we need is ours and, and I find it impossible to think that anybody could be born again brought from death to life spiritually and they don't know it right so <clears throat> That's that's kind of what they're they're defending against here. You can kind of see that, right? No, uh, it's not dead faith, and it's kind of what James was fighting against, right? 
Now I'll show you my I'll show you my faith by my works. But not because I'm just able to do something great, but again, because of. I'll show you what I've been made because of who Christ is, not in order that I might earn some favor from God or get a medal of some kind. Any comments, questions? All right, we're going to keep going. This is keeps on explaining. I mean, I, we've kind of already said this, but let's say it again. By his obedience and death, Christ fully paid the debt of all those who are justified. He endured in their place the penalty they deserve. By the sacrifice of himself in his blood shed on the cross, he legitimately, really, and fully satisfied God's justice on their behalf. Yet, their justification is based entirely on free grace because he was given by the Father for them and his obedience and satisfaction were accepted in their place. These things were done freely, not because of anything in them, so that both the exact justice and the rich grace of God will be glorified in the justification of sinners. Well, that's just beautiful, isn't it? That's the stuff we just read a while ago. God did everything he did for his own glory. All right? And it's amazing how many people today are telling folks, God sent Jesus because you were worth it. Right? And the Bible says, no. It's because you absolutely weren't worth it that Jesus had to come. But now in Christ, oh, you're, I mean, you're the apple of his eye. So, I mean, because he sees you through Christ. And now you are his, and we'll talk about this in the next section, he's adopted you into his family. You belong to him. In a trophy of grace, that might be a, that might be kind of a proper way to look at it. That's what you are, just a trophy of grace. But it's not that you earned it. You can't even hoist the trophy. God, God's grace alone. I think that, and what you just said, you're worth it. That whole, it's like a mantra, and it's bled everywhere. And I think it feeds that whole entitlement. Absolutely. That this whole society has, and I see it more and more with Christians, professing yes. Christians. It's that entitlement of I deserve this, I should have this, you should give this to me. And oh, yeah. y'all, I mean, I don't have to go into examples, we all know, it. but it's just, and I think this that ch the church movement that we're seeing now, like Anthony and Church Promotion mm -hmm. and Prosperity, I just feel like it just feeds that. Oh, it so does. What are you going to do for me? That's right. Well, and it's everywhere. You what hear it. Is my pastor going to do for me? Yeah. It's not about what, you know, nobody thinks what has been done for you. Yes, and what can I do for you? Right. Can I be a servant for you? Yeah, just like I said here, it works itself out in love. I mean, that's the fulfillment of the law. Isn't that what Jesus said? Love is the fulfillment of the law. That's how it works itself out. Love for God and love for the brethren in the church. And <clears throat> yeah, there's so much of that, and you see it. Just all this. Hey, go out and claim it. You know, I see this in so much of my 
friends stuff. And this is what their pastors are teaching every week. Hey, you're no longer to li- you're not supposed to live in in this. You're not supposed to live in poverty. Go out and claim this is your this week. Go get it today. Yeah, man. Yes. Speak it. Speak it into existence. Yeah. And and you know we were talking about this today. There is nothing wrong with working hard. That I think we're supposed to. There's nothing wrong with setting goals. There's nothing wrong with achieving. But if we ever get to the point to think that all that. As believers, now the world won't understand this, but if you think you do all that stuff and you have blessing because you did all that stuff, you're going to be in for a hard fall because it's the Lord that makes one rich. And he adds with it blessing and what is it, no sorrow. I can't remember that proverb. But, and the Lord gives and he takes away. And, and there's plenty of people that do all those things and they still don't have plenty. Now they have enough. I guess I should say maybe plenty and enough mean the same. They don't have an abundance. But again, I mean, you know, we were talking about this because that's the things. I, I mean, I, I do want to teach my kids that, to be better than me at setting goals and achieving, trying to achieve it and work hard and run after. There's nothing wrong with saying, I want to be that, and Lord willing, I'm going to run to be that. But here's the thing. If you run as hard as you can and you do everything and you're not that, then that's because that's not God's plan you're going to be what god wants you to be but i think we we've it's kind of like i said sunday we we sort of taught people no god belongs to you you tell him what you want and he's got to do it and which that is the teaching out there that is the word faith movement god's like it's your problem is it's always about us and what we do when we talk about justification i think of the story that rc used to talk about rc where you know, if it was just the blood for the forgiveness of sins that needed to be shed, Christ could have been killed as a baby. Right. But he had to live a perfect life for the law and shed his blood. This is about him. And somewhere we just turn around and make it about us. And it's always about Christ. And we fail to understand that. And I think that's the sin that's in us that wants our flesh to be a part of that. And we always try to twist it and turn it back on us. But this whole, it's mm-hmm. always about Christ. Well, that's exactly what Adam did. I mean, they yeah. believed a lie because what God had said wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. So I've got a better idea. You know, right. there, in, in that, and Satan didn't have to tempt much. Hey, he's hiding something from me. He's not telling me everything. Oh well, we can if we can be something more, like you said. Then all of a sudden, your focus is off of Christ, and yeah, it's right and it's on, on yourself you. and what you do, what yes. you claim, and how far you walk, what you do, and what you get. Yeah, and, and all Christianity is uh, kind of like what Nicole said. Yeah. Not just in the word faith and charismatic ranks, but it's even in the Baptist churches. Everywhere. I mean, all these booklets and studies are all about making you a better you, you know, striving. And again, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, don't be a bum, you know, and get up and, I mean, the New Testament said they determined if you didn't work, you didn't eat. I mean, they're more serious than anybody about that. It's like, hey, you got to do something. Well, I think Scripture but, says it's not a dead faith, but it does work. Yeah. If you are being made into the image of Christ, yes. you will do some things that Christ did. You yes. will begin to love people and have concern for them more than you do yourself. Yes, because that's the 
That's the command of the Lord in salvation. Yeah. I mean, that's what he said to the woman um, that was condemned in adultery. Go and sin no more. He didn't say, good luck. I mean, now go. I don't condemn you, but he said to her, don't sin. I mean, go and sin no more. There is a, I mean, that is part of this justification is that, and I love that it says this, and every saving grace accompanies it. And that's, again, why, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're fighting against that idea of a second blessing. We've got to get saved, and then later maybe you'll, you'll get the Holy Spirit. No, you know, our Baptist forefathers were clear, and, and this is, I'm sure this is in the uh, Westminster too. No, every saving grace accompanies justification. Because if you've been justified, there ain't nothing left. To, and that's why I say again, it's all there. It's done. So you're not waiting on something else to come. And I, I think we don't teach that enough. We don't teach people enough that, I mean, this is, God doesn't halfway do anything. I mean, it's done. Well, most of our gospels start with you in a bad place. Don't you want your marriage healed? Don't you want your finances yeah. better? Don't you want this? And it's, you, you start from a place of flesh in the beginning. That's right. And, and you just you, you miss Christ from, from the start. Well, that's yeah, exactly. That's why I'm saying we what we call gospel a lot of times is not. Right. We're really, um, I mean, we're kind of at a self-help, a psychological, um, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, and um, and so we believe, and we believe that too because we do, and especially in, in a place in America, we just have that because we do have we, we have a place where you can you can have a dream and sometimes achieve it you know and there is no there's the guarantee of the pursuit of happiness there's no guarantee of happiness in the uh, preamble of the constitution but there is a guarantee of the pursuit of happiness and um, and you pretty much have that but um, we, we mix that up and think um, well just the same way I chose my career I'll choose whether I want God or not and that's a, that's a bad way to teach and it's not biblical let me read through the rest of these, so it's about time to go. Uh, number four, from all eternity, <clears throat> God decreed to justify all the elect. That's the many that we read about a while ago. And in the fullness of time, Christ died for their sins and rose again for their justification. Nevertheless, they are not justified personally until the Holy Spirit actually applies Christ to them at the proper time. So we sort of talked about this at one, one point or another also. I mean, there is a definite point in time where this happens. Now, um, and it kind of all happens, you know, we talked about the order, the order of salutis, the order of salvation. You know, all that can really happen. We don't know when it happens, but it all happens, you know. So there's not a time where you're called and then maybe somewhere down the road you'll be um, justified and then maybe sometime down the I mean, it happens, and at some point the Holy Spirit applies Christ to them, to his people. And again, bagging them to the last one, and they'll know it, right? I mean, it, everybody not, might not jump up and down and hoot and holler, but they will know something's different. I mean, there's just no way. Yeah, there's no way that, um, you know, I was just listening again today to Ezekiel. I mean, you can't go from a valley of dry bones to being put back together and walking around without knowing it. You know, I mean, 
Because the truth is, you didn't even care spiritually because you were dead. And all of a sudden, wow, I care about this. I want, I want to know about this. It's, it's a different way of life. Now, again, um, you know, sin, we, we carry around this old dead body, um, this man of death, and it's a struggle, and it will be. And I think, that, I think the more you, uh, the longer you live in Christ and the more you um, love him and the more faith you have, the more the struggle becomes. I'm not sure that it becomes easier because I think the more that happens, the more you realize how wicked your flesh is. Like, um, I think the last time I, I quoted uh, C.S. Lewis, who said, I never knew how bad I was until I started trying to be good. And then I realized... Yeah, like Romans 7, I, I don't do the things I want to do. Things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And it's aggravating. But it's the war that we're prone. Again, Scripture is not blind to this. It says there's a war going on. And um, it's a serious war. And so finally, 6, in all these ways, the justification of believers under the Old Testament was exactly the same as the justification of believers in the New Testament. And, you know, they're, they're, they're going to great pains to point that out all the way through this confession, too. There are not two ways to be saved, or three. There's one. And all the people of God are saved in the same way. That gives Galatians 3, 9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. And we already read from Romans 4 earlier about the faith that was accounted to Abraham as righteousness. And there's a place also um, where it says um, that the gospel was preached to Abraham. So, it is the same. Any other comments? Dead on 8 o'clock. Well, thank y'all for coming. I know we talked a lot about people that weren't here, but I'm glad y'all were here. We try not to talk about people that aren't here. I mean, hopefully everybody will get to come back. Sometimes everybody just can't make it, you know. Well, let me pray and dismiss us. Father, we thank you for all of your love and mercy toward us and the grace by which we've been saved and the faith that you've given us. And Lord, as one man prayed to Jesus, um, I believe, but help my unbelief. Um, I pray that for myself and all of us, that you would just continue to grow our faith in you, teach us how to rest in you and trust in you so that we can have that abundant life that you promised us more and more in Jesus' name. Amen.